Our guest for this episode is Daryl Keem. He's the director of the Leitaw Recovery Center in Moscow, Idaho, and works with people to help them through issues with addiction and mental health. Welcome to episode three of Five Questions, the show where we interview activists and advocates about the work they do and why they do it. So, Daryl, what can you tell me about who you are and your backstory? So, who am I? Well, for the purposes of today, I'm, I'm talking to you as the director of the Leitar Recovery Center, which is a recovery center for folks who are dealing with addictions and mental health issues located on Main Street in Moscow, Idaho. But you want to know my backstory and, and, my, and or my other identities. More importantly than that, I'm a father of two. I've got a, a wife and two daughters. They're both in high school. My wife works at the university. And a bit of my backstory, I've been basically, I've tried to, throughout my uh, career to be a professional do-gooder. I always thought that I wanted to do stuff that made a difference for people at the end of the day. So that's what I've pursued with all the different jobs that I've had throughout my life. And what can you tell me about what you do in your role? Well, I am the I am the person that started and, f and founded the Leitaw Recovery Center. We uh, started working on it in about 2000, I think it was, yeah, it was 2015, about five years ago now. At that time, I worked for the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare, and and I was a community resource development specialist. And they came to me and said, hey, we want to put a we want to put a recovery community center in North Central Idaho, so we'd like you to start a grassroots effort to pursue the funding so you can approach us to get funded and put together a business plan, put together the the founding committee, the, the exploratory committee, I guess is a better term for that, and, and make it happen. So I, that's kind of my backstory regarding this was I, I started running with it, and they wanted us to pursue a $125,000 grant via the State of Idaho's Millennium Fund. So. We put together the business plan, put together the 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 grant, and we went went for it. And we got that grant. Obviously, we got tremendous public support locally. So I just kept running with it and decided at the end of the day that I'd rather pursue doing this than what I was doing at Health and Welfare. So why is it that you choose to do this kind of work? <sighs> That's a really good question. It's rewarding. Uh, the financial benefits aren't great whenever you're doing social service type work, but it, like I say, I always had it in me that I wanted to help people, and that's what this job is all about. We take we get folks that are new in dealing with addictions and new in dealing with their mental health issues, and we partner them up with folks that have more experience, and we also try and show them the local resources that are in town so somebody that's in a bad situation can start to work to get themselves out of it. What can you tell me about some of the difficulties you face in this work and how you kind of work through those? Well, difficulties come in a couple of different ways. There's not in my backyard, which we definitely dealt with when we were first opening. And for instance, here, here in Moscow, which is a, a very understanding town and has been tremendously supportive of the recovery center, when we first went to look for a location, we looked at over at about 30 different locations, and some of them were just not appropriate, and it just didn't work for our needs. But we had several that once once they heard what we were trying to do, they didn't want to show to us. Or once they heard what we were trying to do, even after they'd shown it to us, 
they'd hear from their neighbors and their neighbors didn't want us there. So they, they wouldn't rent to us. Ultimately, of course, that all worked out great because we ended up on Main Street at a great location, but we definitely dealt with, with NIMBY, as they say, not in my backyard. The ongoing thing, and it's the same for, I think, any nonprofit, the, the biggest challenge we have is simply keeping it funded. You know, we provide our services free or at cost, and the people that we're, pre- that we are helping, a lot of them are poor. They're the working poor here in town. They can't afford, they couldn't afford to go to a counselor if they wanted to, or if they can afford it, it's because they're state subsidized. Well, we don't, we don't make money off our customers, so to speak. Instead, we have to have to go after grants and we have to do local fundraising efforts. So that's the biggest challenge that I, I face every year is simply keeping it open. What are some of the programs or services that you offer to assist people when they come seeking help? Oh, you bet. We do really four different things. First of all, we've we've got our location. We're on Main Street downtown, 531 South Main, in fact. And the first thing is when you first walk through the door, we've got a resource room. And we try and know of all the different resources throughout the area that are recovery related. And that's that's really a broad cross-section of resources because re- recovery falls into things like, of course, alcoholism and addiction and mental health issues. But tied into that is a much broader picture of what life is all about. So people in recovery might need to know about healthy cooking or they might need to know how to budget or they might need to take a get some help getting off cigarettes, or they might need a support group, or they might need, really, you name it, and it, it's tied in. So we know we try and know of all the support groups that are going on in town, and we try and know where those meet and when they meet. And, and that's actually surprisingly important, because if you think about it, when you're new in recovery, maybe it's just been pointed out that you need a little help, or maybe the law has indicated you need a little help, or maybe you've realized it yourself, where do you go? You know, all of the recovery groups, or at least most of them, have a tradition of anonymity. So how do you find out where an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting is? And you're panicked and you don't know where to look. It's It may or may not be easy to find, but thanks to us, it's on Main Street in downtown where you can go and you can find out where AA meetings are, Narcotics Anonymous meetings are, Overeaters Anonymous meetings are, all kinds of different anonymous meetings. We know where they're at so we can help you get set up with that. So that's the first thing is we have a resource room. The second thing is we add our own resources. We have, it varies a little bit, but every week, 25 to 30 different support groups and educational groups that are, that are going on at the center. So we've got a, a daily group for Alcoholics Anonymous. We've got Narcotics Anonymous meeting twice a, twice a week. We've got a positive affirmations group. We uh, sometimes have books on diet or classes, excuse me, on diet. We sometimes have classes on economics. We sometimes have classes on um, yoga, meditation, you name it. Like I say, we're, we're open to hosting it there. So we've got 25 to 30 groups meeting every week. Third thing we do is we have recovery coaching. And what that is, is we have folks that have been dealing with an addiction or a mental health issue that have taken some training, they've learned how to coach people, and they are there to help folks that are newer in dealing with their addiction and mental health issues to set up their own recovery wellness plan. And it's not us telling you this is what your recovery should look like. Instead, it's us asking, what do you want to accomplish as part of your dealing with your mental health issue? What do you want to accomplish as part of dealing with your addiction or your alcohol issue? It's about what they want to accomplish. Then our coaches help them to set their goals. Then the fourth thing we do 
is we have recovery telephone services. So we have folks that come in and say, for instance, they've been coming in for a while and we stop seeing them. We give them a call, check up on them, or vice versa. Sometimes we've had folks that couldn't make it into the center. Maybe it's because of stigma. They didn't want to be seen walking into a recovery center, or maybe they can't afford the drive from Beauville into Moscow. Whatever reason, if they let us know that they want to get called Wednesday nights at 5 p.m. or Friday nights at 8 p.m. to get checked on, we'll give them a call and check on them. And then I did say four things, but we have an exciting new thing we're, we're doing too. We've just opened up a behavioral health crisis center. So if folks are in a behavioral health crisis, we have a place where we can set them up. It's a safe environment. They'll quickly meet some professionals that are there to help them deal with, with their counseling needs. And they'll also find out about all the other resources that we have. So that, that's the five main things that we're doing nowadays. How could people who are looking to support their community with these issues get involved or help? A few different ways. Uh, number one, we're always looking for volunteers. In fact, our center is primarily volunteer run. We've got, we're open Monday through Friday, 10 to 8 p.m., which is a fairly, fairly a large amount of time to be open. And we only have one, two, well, up until a few weeks ago, we only had three paid staff and they were all part time. So we actually have approximately 400 volunteer hours every month that are going on. So we're always looking for volunteers to help with that. And we're also always looking for folks that have experience, lived experience with a mental health issue or an addiction so that we can train them and they can become some of our recovery coaches. They can help with what we call recovery peer volunteer services. So we're always looking for that. And then, of course, I was talking about the hardest thing for us is just get keeping the money going to keep the doors open. We do fundraisers every year. We've got two two that we do traditionally. We just did our annual soup soup lunch fundraiser, which is a soup festival. And then in about March, we'll have our annual leadership breakfast that we do where we, between the two, we raise about $50,000 for the local recovery community. So supporting those is, the, is another great way to help us out. And another great way to help us out, the third one that I'll mention, is if you're good at something, like say quilting, or you're good at some um, yoga, or you want to lead a support group, come in and tell us what it is you can do. We'll put it on the calendar and see if there's some folks who want to show up and learn about that skill from you. So also just helping out by offering some programs we put on our calendar. Well, thank you for sharing all that. Um, that's all the questions I have for you. Thank you for being on this episode of Five Questions. I re really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk with me. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts you'd like to share? Yeah, pretty simple thoughts, really. You can make a difference. And whether it's with the recovery center or helping out with one of the other nonprofits in town, there's so many different needs in town. Anybody that's listening to this, I encourage you, if you have any interest whatsoever, reach out to your local nonprofit. Give them a call. Tell them what your skills are and tell them you want to help. They'll find a use for you. That's it for today's episode. You can find me on Twitter at MikeyBivs and tweet about the show using hashtag five questions. If you have a particular cause or activist that you would like to hear from, let me know. Cool. Thank you, Michael. This is a great awesome. opportunity. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, for, for being a participant in this and letting me talk to you. You bet.